0: good, 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 good.
1: Yeah, yeah. Snesipo, I want us to maybe start uh, things off... Um yeah, in uh, the Bidvest Group, uh, they put out, uh, uh, you know, I guess some announcements in the marketplace uh, to- today, and uh, their unaudited financial results for the six months ending at the end of December, and uh, yeah, declaring a dividend there, but also seeing double-digit growth in all of their operating units, um, a 25 percent increase in their trading profit, uh, and also I guess interim dividend 31 percent up at 380 cents per share. Yes. Yes, yes. yes, yes, yes. So uh, yes, yes. what did you make of these numbers? Um, the
0: impressive set of results, I, I think um, it, it, it just shows that uh, the economy is growing. You had um, with the double digit increases across different product range, uh, across the different divisions. And, uh, you know, with long history in this entity and they've taken advantage of a lot of the opportunities, but it's also important to understand that the year prior, in, as a comparative, mm. was a lower base than yes. previous.
1: And when we compare these numbers to 2019,
0: uh, yeah, no, they are growth, but I think we, there is significant growth. A, a good thing to also understand was ultimately was because um, because of uh, the the site, the the, the, the the each of the different divisions. And they were just able to just, uh, um, take advantage because it wasn't just a top line increase. The profitability grew significantly as well, meaning they were able to work at more effective, more effective than prior. So uh, it, it's some ups and some downs as uh. well. So it's, yeah, some ups and downs.
1: Yeah. And I guess, I mean, if, if we look at some of their trading unit uh, trading divisions here, very, very defensive. Uh, so even, you know, uh, when things were, I guess when we we're in the thick of things with COVID 19, many of the divisions of Bitvest were able to perform quite well, largely on the basis of what it is that they do.
0: Mm. Mm. So, no, 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 no. I think it was actually quite, and for that they are, it is defensive. It's, it's one of those, um, was, uh, they're in almost everything you can see really has to do with things with toiletries and chemistry. And that's I think for me is sure just in terms of how they look and it also they do have a bit of a financial services arm which is also
1: looking um, quite impressive as well. Mm, mm. So let's pause here for a second and take a quick spot break. And uh, when we come back, we'll continue uh, taking a look at uh, some of the uh, news that came out of uh, uh, the companies. And uh, we'll shift our attention to Sea Harvest as well, uh, which put out a set of numbers. And uh, then we'll also take a look at uh, the spillover of the uh, Russia-Ukraine conflict on the aviation sector.
0: The real men of Metro FM stand together, together. in the fight against gender-based violence. violence. Metro FM turning 16 days into 365 days. This is Metro FM Talk with Ayabonga Tawe. Business rap. Business rap of the day. On Metro FM Talk with Ayabongawe.
1: About 22 minutes it is after 7 p.m. we take a look at the latest in the global economy and uh, the financial markets and uh, also uh, just in terms of company news as well and uh, uh, we took a look before we went to the break at uh, some of the numbers that have come through from Bidvest, and uh, seeing trading profit up 25 percent to five billion rand or so there and seven billion rand uh, generated in cash from operations uh, before a uh, adjustment there for working capital Uh, and uh, also i guess yeah seeing the uh, net asset value growing there as well but uh, we shift our attention from I guess uh, what what's happening uh, in the uh, um what do they call it diversified industrial space um I don't know in services as well uh, to um seafood and uh, the world of dairy and uh, saw some numbers coming through from the Sea Harvest group and especially what did you make i guess of the showing of Sea Harvest um one relative improvement in their revenue but also uh, 10% improvement in operating profit and also declaring a, uh, a dividend there, which was up 24%.
0: Um, so they had a very, very good year. So uh, the main business, uh, business of fishing um, had, had a good year-on-year growth. Then you had, um, remember last year, we discussed their the acquisition of to diversify some of their income sources into cheese processing. And that was yes. quite a very good year. Um, mainly driven on fact that obviously groceries do very, very well, but there's uh, uptake in uh, uh, companies that provide convenience products, and having those cheeses and that's what's great, that's very, very good as well for results.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and, and I, I guess when we look at, um, you know, the, their offering, let's maybe separate it just slightly. If, if you look at the fishing uh, offering, uh, you know, they have operations here in Southern Africa and also uh, in Australia. How did those fare when you compare them to maybe what was happening on the dairy side of things uh, with Lady Smith in the cheese, butters, and powders?
0: Yeah, uh, cheese had a very good year. So, I think that's from, I think they, they for me, it's a very good, smart move from the margin. They recognize the growth area in uh, dairy processing. And um, um, they also remember, also because of the, the the location of the operation, they do tend to benefit uh, when it comes to uh, uh, the grand uh, foreign exchange. And that uh, helps. A little bit of with the profit and yeah, and also you also have the issue of like um, they had those improved fishing conditions, which obviously allows you so it's of volume gains, volume gains. The more you can fish, the more you can start direct uh, relationship. So then, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's sort of like those sort of help those things if you think about it. That, but then again, it's all about. Um, uh, your value chain and, and how because it wasn't just a, it, one of the things is it's good to have increases in a revenue but it's also need to a company increasing profitability, it's trying to get better on you in terms of your um your value chain and and just a obviously possible your profitable margins.
1: And then just talk to me about that dividend uh, when we compare it. Yes, of course, uh, we've seen probably a much lower pace even in this sector in 2020 and in 2021. But what do you make of that uh, final, uh, I guess, uh, cash dividend, 56 cents per share uh, for the year ending December 2021? Uh, what do you make when you compare that, I guess, to to um, sort of the dividend path over the last few years? Um, so not,
0: not many entities are declared dividends in the 2020 2021, I would say, period due to the pandemic and um, um, also just the uh, inability to take advantage of any fishing conditions, also played a factor. So it has, it has, it is uh, an, a nicer difference. It's, it's not the same course trajectory, but it does show that uh, in certain sectors, the economy has to be recovered. When
1: you look at it all, yeah, yeah, and I guess uh, also says something about the consumer and uh, you know the share of pocket that um, one is either rising, uh, but also I guess the share that's going to uh, basic food items, um, you know, and whether or not that's translating to some of the numbers that we saw here. Mm. So, so it does it
0: does actually show just quite a bit of a recovery because. Yeah, it, it, it does show, very, and it just shows, and also shows just increased market share as well.
1: Yeah. Stesibor, so let's shift our mm. attention to what the latest coming out of Kyiv. Um, and we also know the EU. Uh, EU President von Leyden last week indicating, I guess, the scale of the sanctions, some in the capital markets, some, you know, in terms of uh, 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 travel, transport. And uh, I guess one of the sectors heavily affected by this is aviation, least of all those who lease uh, you know aircraft to many of the um, you know commercial airlines out in Russia uh, I mean, talk to me about I guess the the task now that many of these leasing companies have in trying to get some of this aircraft out of Russia um, and uh, potentially I guess getting out of agreements they might have with Russian companies
0: it's going to be interesting so I think uh, when, you, when, you, when you think of the level of sanctions that are being proposed, we, we we sometimes don't seem to understand the difficulties in the sanctions. The sanctions ha- sort of have two roles: uh, to sort of um, decrease as Russia as a possible as an, an investment hub and trying to get rid of uh, um, any planes, any Russians from being able to travel. So it is going to be it, it, it is it's going to be quite interesting and terms of this level of sanctions. Is that you've got to, you actually have to go put your claims. Um, you've got to put your claims because you won't be able to access any of the funding. So, you, in in a sense, in your book, your books are the assets of the longer the military continues to be in Russia. And it just shows just the widespread impact of sanctions. And it's, yeah, it's going to be interesting because you sort of have. You, Russian, no, you can't travel, but how you set your plane. Yeah, it's yeah, it, it's going to be quite interesting.
1: I mean, and the implication of this, if more than half of the fleet of many of the commercial airlines is leased uh, from you know companies outside of the Russian Federation, I mean, what is this going to mean, even just for domestic travel within the Federation?
0: And there'll be none eventually. That's actually what the goal is going to be, that's what the level. Is going to be none, none, uh, and it it, it frustrates people into withdrawing military action. Sanctions are not a nice thing; they're actually not a nice thing. They will be none. There has to be none.
1: And and when you look at some of these companies, I mean, I guess you know, in their case, what what happens to them? I mean, you, you probably have taken out. Uh, you know, very significant facilities to even get this aircraft from. You know, the likes of Boeing and you know others, uh, Airbus and you know other companies as well. Um, what then happens to those facilities when you kind of have to withdraw them from many of your clients? Um, you know, on the other side of the Iron Curtain. Yes,
0: they. they that's that's it's, it's what they need to do. They're going to take. There's going to be heavy losses, of course, just on the feasibility of having to collect everything, back you have no choice because you lose money. It's it's, it's sort of, uh, it, it plays with a thousand grand. If you lose it, you lose a thousand grand. But if you try transports and cost you 300 grand, it's it's those type of things that you're trying to manage your losses. I think that's, it's, it's, it's hefty losses are going to come because it's, just the feasibility, just the sheer volume. I don't think we, we understand how big the market is of the of the planes, and with them not being able to move all of them appropriately, it might, it's going to be a challenge.
1: Just as but, it, yeah, yeah. Your assessment of some of the other financial sanctions that have been levied here on banks in Russia or within the Federation, the ability to raise capital, um, and I guess the implication that's going to have on many of the industries uh, in Russia that are reliant on some of that capital.
0: It's definitely going to help any investment in anything else in Russia, that's the purpose of the financial sector. Um, and when you when you think about the losses, you've got it. You've got a, even the owner of Chelsea. Uh, he has to put uh, the, his owner's personal ownership in a trust now. So it's 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 it's, it's with the sanctions, it's, it just basically dries up any capital. And your ability to freely move your assets It's literally driven to make things uncomfortable as possible. Uh, with, uh, the further proposed actions of SWIFT, it's, uh, being proposed by, um uh, the U.S. driven by President Biden. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be quite interesting. And you're going to stop seeing the, the possibility of, uh, uh, Russia formally adopting, uh, so, and the use of things that have been discussed within various groups what happens when you shut down the entire country from the world financial system because we're no longer in a cash holding uh, asset we're all about digital holding the cash digital
1: mm. and then I guess the role of China in the whole thing because while a lot of these sanctions may be felt, a lot of people are suggesting that a big part of Russian trade in the last few years or so Uh, between Russia and the likes of China has been undertaken, you know, in currencies other than the US dollar. Um, Just some of your thoughts on that uh, and whether or not, I guess, a particular and unique relationship that uh, Russia might have or that we might see come out of this with China might be able to allow them to weather the storm of sanctions somewhat.
0: Um, So basically the Chinese have not taken a stand, a formal, formal stand on the matter, and they are one of Russia's biggest trading partners, and if they were to adopt the sanctions, it would be cause significant losses and actually result in product shortages at, in Russia because of their reliance too much on China. So, it's, like I said, I'm just quite interested to see how play it part because when you have a country that off from any access of liquidity uh, in hard currency, you need- like that, as I say, people think that they' to been moved towards digital currency. You saw the other uh, reserve Bank in Russia increase interest rates to 20 percent. Uh, they still supporting the financial market. It's, it's, I said, it's going to be interesting to see how long can they hold out. And bear in mind, it's been less than a week after being announced and the quickness in which the implementation. Being is actually quite insane and quite impressive,
1: and just mm. shows how much progress uh, technology has. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And then, a the last one, Stacy I mean, we're going to be uh, talking about this with the DDG at the Department of Employment and Labor. Uh, the National Labor Migration mm-hmm. Policy, out for public comment this afternoon, effectively, um, you know, I, I guess, proposing the creation of quotas uh, for the employment of foreign workers in specific sectors. What, what do you make of this one?
0: It's more than a first year. We already have a prescription. We've got employment equity. We have a prescription uh, in terms of who needs to be African. And I honestly feel that this is, again, part of the current rhetoric in uh, local political circles of there being two foreigners and foreigners stealing jobs. And um, it's really it's aimed at black foreigners because for me, employment equity covers the whole industry. We know there needs to be that employers need to comply with X, Y, Z. Uh, and then how do you de- determine whether the fair and appropriate way to determine deci- these costs?
1: I guess that there's the other question, which is that the Employment Equity Act would apply to designated you know, em- employers. Um, and those would be employers, I guess, with more than 50 people, I understand, um, in their mm-hmm. headcount. Um, and so there would then be, I guess, this universe of firms that have 50 or less people in the firm uh, who, I guess, you know, wouldn't necessarily be required to report on the demographics in their workplace as as per the requirements of the Employment Equity Act. No,
0: I hear what you're saying. I, I'm just saying that the, the proof prefer- of... Propagation of this specific being nonsense. It's driven by the rhetoric that there's too many foreigners working for the
1: Okay, all right.
0: It's 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 driven by it and that rhetoric has been it's been very very loud.
1: Then yeah. I guess you know you know for me the the other question in this is when when you hear that this will be applied in certain sectors, I guess the probably would have been an assessment of where you know, people would think foreign nationals are disproportionately represented in the workforce of those sectors. Um, I mean, which sectors would those be?
0: I'm suspecting they're going into mining and um, agriculture. Uh, they will try with tourism, but that's where I just state the thing because you don't hear the con- comments being said when people talk about financial services. It's about uh, the perception that there is specifically in the, in the low skill wage economy that foreigners are overrepresented. In. So that's what I uh it's going to steer towards.
1: Okay, so that's We're going to have to leave it there for tonight. As always, a pleasure catching up with you, and uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. That There was Nesipo Mani independent market commentator and analyst, joining us there for our wrap of uh, the latest out in the markets. We also saw today.